Picture pictures ain't my thing, but I could put a story in your head and open up your eyes. So listen close, this one is for my brothers, sisters, cousins, all humans alike. Let's take a second to... Okay, so we're back with the Juby Take. I'm Steve. I'm Adam. And we're going to talk tonight about where we are in the seasons. Yes. One just ended. We did. A couple of others are just starting. Right. And one is in the middle. Exactly. So let's start off with the one that has ended. The Yankee season is over. Over and done with. The World Series is going on right now. We're sadly not in it. No, we're not. But that's okay. And it really is because... We overachieved this year. We did. Yeah, we went further than we thought. Further, further than most people thought. Yeah, I think pretty much anybody. I mean, yeah, saying we, I mean, we're Yankee fans, we're biased. Exactly. But I think what happened with that is that the uh, a lot of the rookies and, you know, Aaron Judge, yeah, big Sanchez, right. uh, Severino, uh, who is not a rookie, he's been in the league for a couple of years, but he had a really bounce back season. Right. And the team played really well. I yeah. think they played well in the postseason because, I mean, the last time we talked about this, we were going into the postseason, I believe. Yeah. And I felt that since then, I mean, we had some bad games, but I felt like we responded well, especially in the Cleveland matchup um, coming back, you know, after dropping two games and being down 0-2, right? Right, exactly. And then coming back, I mean, only the 10th team in history to do something like that. It's pretty, pretty big for a, a young team to do. It really is. And and the great thing about it is that with a, such a young team, you know, we beat Minnesota at home. We got into a best of five series with Cleveland. They won 102 games for the season. Yeah. By all accounts, we're the best team in baseball. And we did go down 0-2. And we went home. Right. And we played a lot better. We started hitting. But some of our young players had success. And that's the big thing is you get that you know, that chip off your shoulder. So, right. you know, you're, you're not struggling. Although, you know, Aaron Judge set the record for strikeouts in a five-game series. Wow. But he also had a key uh, double that drove in some runs. He also had a home run. And so his, you know, he was productive. I think and there's he, a place for the, for that. I mean, obviously, the type of hitter he is, he's, he's going all out. You know, he's, he's trying to smash the ball every time he makes contact. Yeah, it's kind of the way baseball's going. Yeah. It's so, strikeouts and home runs. Yeah, I don't know. I think that there's a place for that. I think there's a place for a, a, a person like Ichiro. I think you have to have a balance, you know, when it comes to your team and, and you know, someone that's just going to go and get you that base hit. Gardner, I guess, for, I don't know if he's still the guy for the Yankees. Yeah. Well, he's a good sense. leadoff guy. Yeah. But there was kind of a blend of, of some, you know, young players, some kind of middle of their career players, and Didi Gregorius and, and, uh, Sterling Castro and, and you know, Gardner and, and some of those people, but then also some veterans with Frazier and Holiday. And Holiday, who didn't play much. But anyway, so you know, they the big thing is they came back from it O two. They right. tied it, but they went to Cleveland and won a game to win the series. Yeah. And that was huge. And they had some success. The young players had some success that they can build on. And then they played Houston and they took Houston to seven games. You know, I think that that's, you know, right now we're going to talk about it with our other teams as well, but, you know, we're in a spot with our teams, all of our teams that it's kind of a rebuilding, you know, we're not a couple of years ago, we were all, we were at the top of pretty much every single one of our teams. Right. And, and, you know, up for winning championships. Um, but right now it's just kind of that rebuilding stage and, you know, for the 
for the Yankees, um, for the Ducks, it's just exciting when when you have that kind of success and you see that. It makes me hopeful for the other sports as well. Well, yeah, and and to say that it's kind of a rebuilding year and you're in Game Seven <laughs> right. of the uh, ALCS, you know, and if you if you win the game, you go to the World Series. That's kind of the rebuilding you want, <laughs> right? Exactly. But I really think that they uh, they played really well, and also having some success means a lot going forward. Now, the interesting thing is, is Joe Girardi as the manager will not be coming back. Yeah. So they didn't re-sign him. And that's always a little scary. Right. When you have, he was there for 10 years. And he did a good job. He really did. He won 200 games more than he lost. You know, I think it was 920 to 720, something like that. And there were, there are some issues. In most franchises, that's probably a good thing. But the Yankees, I guess it's not good enough. Well, I kind of look at it this way, that, it's like when the Ducks last year, you know, with Helfrich, and it was a totally different situation and a totally different set of circumstances. But yeah. a lot of the coaches had been there for forever. And not necessarily Helfrich, but a lot of the other coaches. And I think at times you need to reset a franchise or you need to reset a program. You you bring in some new blood and some, some different thoughts. And I like Joe Girardi, but maybe it was time. You know, he was getting a little worn out. He would come back yeah, if asked. But I don't know that he's brokenhearted. You know, I think he'll have other opportunities. Yeah, I don't. Um, he's not done with. You know, no, I think he'll. There's comes down know, to motivation. Yeah, it's it's funny. You look at at uh, the teams in the playoffs. Ten teams in the playoffs. There's two wild card teams, so there's four, and then there's three in the National League and, and three in the American League. Yeah, that won their divisions. So okay, you got ten teams. Out of ten teams that went to the postseason, three of them that went beyond the wild cards. Three of them let their managers go. Boston, Washington, and the Yankees. Whoa, why? These are after incredibly successful seasons. Right. But in some cases, it's the expectations. I think in the case of, of Joe Girardi, I think he was just a little burnt. I think that, you know, he it just... Is it just the pressure of being a Yankee? I, yeah. Like, is well, that... I don't know that it's just a Yankee. I think the pressure of being a manager and Joe Girardi is very intense. Yeah. And he takes it very seriously. And by a lot of accounts, he seemed to have kind of withdrawn a bit. And that's never good. No, what you mean by that is like during the games, he's not yelling and screaming or he's not like involved and not. It's away from the games. Okay. You know, it's, you know, in his office and it's, you know, after the games and and the interaction with the players. Because today's players, you know, you can't have the old time managers that are just, they don't interact with the players. Right. You know, it used to be the old time managers, I mean, were, were loud and, and it was dictatorial and, and I were, you know, I'm in charge and you're going to do what I say in total control. Now it's more the player's manager. Yeah. You know, so it's the manager like Terry Francona, who's, you know, in the locker room playing card games with the guys. You know, he's more friends with them than he is the authority. It's almost like the spoke spokesperson for the, for the players. Right. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a player's coach and, yeah. and they talk about that in every sport now. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see who they, who they bring up. Yeah. Uh, analytics has so much to do with baseball. Now the Yankees yeah. are getting heavy into analytics. So it's by the numbers. And so try uh, to bring someone in that's have by the numbers. That's yeah. Very much about the analytics. So we'll uh, see what happens, but a good year. Yeah. And so we just got through watching the uh, the Oregon-Utah game. Yep, switching over to football. Over to football, over to the Ducks. 
And the Ducks looked good. Yeah. I, I see, even though our record is not that great, we're five and four. Now we're five and four. And of course, that doesn't sound like a dominant team. But when we did have our starting quarterback, I felt like we were a great team. Um, you know, injuries happen during football and you have to be able to step up. And I guess that's truly what makes a great team um, is when you're able to Ohio State, you know, a couple of years ago, able to win a national championship with a third string quarterback. Um, yeah. Thank you, Don Pelham. Right. So, I mean, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's having that depth, which we don't have yet. And you're even seeing it in the second half of the games at, at Oregon. But I think that if we had Herbert in those games, I think that we have, you know, six, maybe seven wins this season, um, you know, with, with that, uh, him as an option, but unfortunately we haven't. And so now we're sitting where we are five and four. Right. And, and like you said, it's, it's depth and it's right. not just a quarterback. It's right. depth at other positions as well. The defense. And I think that, you know, again, you look at last year's recruiting class climbed up into the teens as far as nationally ranked. Oh yeah. Uh, right now we're in the top 10. We've mentioned that before. Oh yeah. And if we're willing to, to stay with that and to really go out and recruit, which everything about this staff shows me that, that that's their number one priority. They understand that that's what, how you build a program right? is recruiting. Cause it's can't win if you don't have the players there it, to win with. It's constant. Yeah. And it's also the evaluation. You know, because there's a lot of four stars and there's five stars players that just don't never make it. Right. Exactly. And so your evaluation athletes that just don't have the skill level. Yeah, exactly. Your evaluation of players, you know, can you make them better? So there's a lot to it. But I think tonight what showed what I saw, what, what they showed me tonight was the fact that that the defense has really taken major strides forward. Now, Utah is not a good team. They're not a good offense at all. No. But you have to win those games. You have to beat those teams. You can't let a bad team look good, which has been a problem with our teams in the past. Yeah, absolutely. It has. And I, I know that even back when we were dominant, you know, it, it just seemed like I was always really scared. I mean, it's funny when you are dominant like that, you're almost scared of those easy wins because you, you're afraid your team's going to overlook it, you know, because they're, they're, they think that they're better. I mean, obviously, that's not the case this year. And I don't think that 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 we did that, but you know, I definitely have felt that that you know that the games that you should win, you know, that you're just almost more anxious during those games. Well, and and, and that speaks to being on top. That speaks to being a fan of a team, and it's the whole you know Chicago Cubs thing, you know Cleveland Indians thing. Is that if your team is out of it, you know, right away, you can still root for your team, and that's the old fandom you know that's that's the, the old loyalty to your team right and it, it's almost relaxing because you don't expect your team to win and i think we've talked about that before and we've talked about it with joe um, right yeah, yeah you know about you know the the Bengals. exactly and when nothing is expected of them now well, you can go root for them and maybe they win a game here and there you know it, it's it's still it's relaxing when your team is one of the elite, you know, when we were in the top, it's the pressure of being at the top, I mean, top really. five where one loss is just devastating yeah. and you want to win that championship so much. And when it comes down to that, and especially in football, it can come down to one play. Yeah. You know, one, or can, one injury. Yeah. It can really just affect so many out, so many different things. 
Yeah, you mentioned the the season that Ohio State won the championship. Yeah. You know, that was Marcus Mariota's junior year, his last year in college. And you just you watch every game wanting to enjoy Marcus Mariota, which is the, one of the most, you know, unique athletes and one of the best quarterbacks I think ever in college. I agree. And you were just terrified. Yeah. Because, oh my God, don't get hurt. And he'd run and he'd get tackled and you're like, oh, don't get up limping. Please don't get up limping. And it, it was terrifying. And you're watching the Heisman Trophy winner and you're watching the greatest quarterback in Oregon history and you're watching them play for the national championship and everything that you wanted, everything you hoped for as a Duck fan and it's terrifying. Yeah, and then you're seeing, you know, Ohio State again, you know, second string quarterback in there and third string. He's doing pretty good and then all of a sudden he goes down. You know, and then they have their third string quarterback. Or Cardell Jones played the whole game. Did he start? I think he did. I thought JT Barrett was in there. Maybe not. No, I think I he was a, hurt. I tried to block it out. Yeah. We're talking about a lot for, for trying to block it out. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so the Ducks, I they have three games left. They they travel to Washington, which is going to be a tough game to win. Yes. Uh, Burmeister will be the quarterback, I'm sure. Yeah. He's I, not very good in my estimation. I think the team... is very limited. Yeah. To yeah, what he can he just, do, which... A true freshman, which it's really difficult for a true freshman to play. But you look at Herbert last year, and he was a true freshman. Yeah. And his first game starting was against Washington. And we got blown, but not necessarily because of him. Right. I, I, I thought, thought he played like he pretty well. Game. Yeah. I mean, he did extremely well over yeah, the last our, couple of games of that yeah, season. Yeah, our defense gave up 10,000 yards and, and 400 points. <laughs> so it's kind of hard for the offense. but A little bit at that point. So Burmeister. We'll see. You know, maybe somewhere down the road. Maybe. Uh, but I, I would believe after, you know, it, we play at Washington, then we have a bye. And, and it's then, Arizona. And then our final two games are Arizona and Oregon, Oregon State. State which, and they're both at home. And with it, Hopefully, at that point, I mean, two more weeks, Herbert should be back. Hopefully. Yeah. And so. No, I, I think he plays against Arizona. I think that at that point, we do some work. Against Arizona and Oregon. State. Well, I think that we should we should win both of those games. Yes, you know Arizona's quarterback is, you know, has, has put up phenomenal numbers running this year, but our defensive front is pretty solid, and yeah. our linebackers have proven that they're pretty solid. I don't know if Tate's going to go off like he has against other teams. Man, yeah. I mean that's who knows. He's a great athlete, but he is, he is. But again. What I've seen in the Pac-12 is there's definitely a home field advantage. Yeah. Nobody plays as well on the road as they do at home, which is, is kind of unique. You know, the, the really good teams in the past, when Oregon was really good, we could go anywhere and win. Right. It really didn't matter. Washington last year. Washington this year goes to ASU and loses. Yeah, exactly. And ASU isn't as bad as, you know, we hoped and as bad as they seemed. Yeah. But still, I don't think they're a better team than Washington. No, no, I don't think anyone anyone thinks that. USC's losses are road games. Yeah, I mean it's, it's unique to I mean the Pac-12. I'm I, I haven't actually looked into you know the SEC or the other. Well, you know a lot of the a lot of the teams are down. You know a lot of the conferences are down. Clemson is lost. You know Michigan can't seem to win a game. Michigan State's losing games. Yeah. Michigan State lost again today. TCU, who was undefeated, and everybody's going, well, hey, maybe they're the best team. Yeah. You know, the only team that isn't losing is Alabama. Right, which... And Georgia. 
but the rest of the SEC is really kind of junky. So that will be the SEC. Oklahoma State seems to be playing pretty well. Right, and they lost Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, Oklahoma's lost. You know, Ohio State lost to Oklahoma. Ohio State beat Penn State today, who was undefeated. So there's one of those years in college football. Yeah, there's just not a lot of of undefeated teams. Not a lot of dominance, which is what we've had in the past couple years, you know, with those few teams like Florida State and Alabama. Yeah, Florida State can't win a game now. Yeah. Well. So it's it's an interesting year in in college football. Also, the the duck basketball is starting. Yes, yeah, they had a, a scrimmage today to raise some money for the fires and for in, firefighters. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's something that I think is awesome. And yeah, it's, it's great. The uh, the the women's basketball team did the same thing. Shout right. out to them. They're, they so the men's basketball team uh, coming in. Did I see that they're ranked ninth? No, that's not right. They're thirtieth. The men's, something. yeah, yeah. No, they're not. No, they're I not think it was 25. the women's. Yeah, the women's. They're the returning women's... a team that went to the Elite Eight, right? And they had all like, five starters, I believe, coming back, um, possibly some of the bench. So they have a lot of their team coming back, and yeah, it was very successful last year. As much as the Ducks were successful, and the right, men's, yeah. definitely a different story. Yeah, we were Final Four, but we have a lot of new pieces, and so it'll be interesting to see how it blends together. Right. That's one of the strengths that we talk about every year with Oregon basketball now is Altman and Dana Altman's ability to blend a team together and to figure out what kind of team it is because he has a lot of different concepts that he can go to. He doesn't try to force the players into playing one particular way. He He takes the players and he tries different things and by December, January, He's honing in on how the team's going to play, whether it's going to play fast, whether it's going to be a pressing team. I think he just he, he narrows down the roles of each player and, and what they do well and, and how they, you know, come together to to make the wins, you know. Yeah. How are they going to fill the stats with, with what they need to come out with the W? I think with this team, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how it blends together. In teams past, for sure, is honestly very similar to things that have happened now. I mean, you look back to when Altman first got, well, not first got, but his you know, third year or so in, in the program with Dotson and Ar- artists and, and those players that had the scandal and, and got kicked off the team. You know, he's bringing in almost a whole new team that year as well, you know, including, you know, Khalees, Jason Khalees, and a, a couple different, you know, players, um, Moser, I believe, that, that actually you know, he was able to mold build with, with, with freshmen and transfers and make it work together. I think it's going to be really cool to see with the talent that he has this year, which is much better than even that team, which overachieved, but it's really, really awesome to have a coach that, that does that, the development part. I think that's, what's really cool about cool, but fun about watching it throughout the season. You know, some, yeah. some, some coaches and some seasons are going to be very annoying to watch because you're frustrated the ducks in the past because you're frustrated with the way the coaches well, call it. The Ernie, the Ernie Kent years, Ernie Kent, or even football, you know, with Don Pelham and the, in the duck ducks defense that wasn't going to change no matter who we were playing or what the situation was, we're rushing three. And, you know, it's it's just nice to see that there's someone that's going to adapt and that is able to figure that out. And it just makes it so that you know that even if there are issues, at least they're going to be worked on. 
they're going to be looked at and we're going to try to do something to move past that. I love that with Altman. Yeah. Well, his ability to evaluate a game and evaluate the way the team is playing, you know, it's one thing to watch football, watch basketball, watch baseball. It's another thing to be able to look and see why things are happening the way they are. The average fan watches a game and goes, well, why are they running over us? You know, why are they hitting all their shots? Why, you know, why, why? But it's different if you have that eye where you can see truly where it's breaking down. And in the case with Altman, I believe he has a fantastic eye of watching and seeing not only what happens on the court, but why it's happening. Right. Because it may not be the final result. It, it, you know, it's not the guy that gets beat for the layup. It's the guy, you know, three people down in the possession that breaks down right. and gets beat. And then now the pass goes to this guy, which you now the, you know, your defense is adjusting and scrambling. And all of a sudden the average fans watching and this guy makes a basket over the top of this guy. And you think, well, this guy just got and beat. And you're yelling at the center for not blocking it or the guard for not getting there. But it was in fact the forward on the other side that didn't get in the passing lane to make sure that that pass couldn't get made. Exactly. You know, so being able to see exactly what is happening and why it's happening. And I think Altman's great at that. Yeah. And I think because of that, it allows him to make adjustments and allows him to to kind of dictate things and say, okay, well, we're not we're not athletic enough to be able to to play our three quarter zone defense that we did last year because we had Benjamin and you know and and we had Brooks and we had these six seven guys that were very long Dorsey even and six, and, and so you know okay that's the way we could do that now we don't have the personnel. Yeah. Even though it was very effective, we have to figure out a different way. Right, exactly. And that's what I love about Altman. And that's we gonna, don't know those elite shot blockers down low, at least not proven shot blockers yet. Right. I I think that yeah, I've been watching basketball for a long time and we'll to have see Boucher. Well to see Boucher and Bell and their timing and the, what they were able to do. That was incredible. You don't see that very often. No. You see big guys that can go up and, and swat the ball away, but just you know. the the frequency in which they were able to do it is it was in uncanny. It yeah, was crazy. It was really fun. So this team is going to be really good. And then you look at next year. You know, we've got a five star and a four star uh, already committed for next year. Yeah. And then we're also kind of everybody's leaning towards Bull Bull Manute's son. Correct. Uh, you know, the seven foot one phenom. Coming yeah. to Oregon. Number so, one center next year in, in the 2018 class. Yeah, the highest rated uh, player ever, if he does, in fact, come to Oregon, that Oregon's ever landed. Yeah. And so, you know, it's to use your term, things are trending in the right direction. Yeah. Which is really fun. Absolutely. And and now also the, the season has started for the Blazers. Well, I, I also want to shout out that, I mean, the, it's very less likely but very much more than than Bol Bol, but also that R.J. Barrett is the number one recruit in the nation, and he has Oregon as his top three now. People think he's leaning towards Kentucky. Right. But that would be the first ever recruit that Oregon has beat out over Kentucky. Yeah. Which would be really, really cool. Yeah, I mean... Could have happened a couple years ago, Jamal Murray. Yeah, but yeah, he actually was, by all accounts, because you know the Canadian connection, he was kind of leaning towards Oregon, and then just decided. But he was one of the one, and he's you know he was a one and done yeah, from the start, which you know, is exactly what R.J. Barrett's going to be, which kind of makes you think he's going to lean towards Kentucky. Yeah, 
it's hard to say, but I'm very happy with where Oregon is because I think Altman doesn't just take players for the sake of their rating or the high profile. I think he, he goes after players he, he truly wants and wants to coach. And Troy Brown this year is one of the highest recruits we've ever gotten and, and is a star, and he may be a one-and-done. And it sounds like he's honestly, and, and I've heard him have talk on uh, the Casano uh, bald truth, but it, you know he just seems like a, a really solid guy that, that knows what he's talking about and has a good head on his shoulders and is, is honest and yeah, um, good guy. So I think that, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the Ducks. Yeah. I'm excited about where the program is headed, but also the Blazers. Okay, so the season has started. Right, yep. And we won two out of three on the road. Uh, we lost in Milwaukee a game again. I think maybe we can win. I think we can. I think we uh, we probably should have. It was close near the end, but I think that Milwaukee is going to be a really good team this year. They are. They have the Greek freak. Yep. And we're not even going to try to actually pronounce actually his name. pronounce his name. That's just a death sentence from for any podcast. Yeah, yeah, for anybody with a microphone. Yeah, but then they came home, and you know, I, we lost a game. I thought we should win. Ugly. Yeah, we won a game that maybe we could have lost. Right again, ugly. Yeah, yeah. So the team isn't playing all that well, but we're four and two. Right, which you know, inconsistent, I guess, play so far is what you could say. I mean, they're winning games, so to say they're not playing well, yeah, 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 they're not playing well, but I mean, they, yeah, just inconsistent. Right, which is what plagued us last year. Right. That was the frustration last year is that it just from game in and game out, there just wasn't a way that we played that, that showed up every night. It just seemed like we were reacting, different players were playing. It was, it was a frustrating year. We blamed it on not having an identity. Yeah. You know, and it, obviously comes from that coaching staff and from everyone, you know, saying, Hey, this is what your role is. This is what you're trying to accomplish throughout the game. I need you to have X amount of points, X amount of rebounds, you know, and this is where you're going to get them. And that's, I mean, down to the professional way of how they break down the game for each player. Right. And exploiting matchups. Right. And I don't know that we were particularly good last year at exploiting matchups. Probably not. No. And one of the things that's happened with kind of all sports but especially basketball, the preseason, you know, where everybody is working on, on their rhythm and, and teams, you know, practice to get together. Trying it's, to figure out what it, your rotation is. In yeah. A sense. It's almost non-existent anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a couple games, it's a few practices and let's go. And that speaks to the length of the season. Yeah. And the NBA's addressing, you know, the, the idea of, of teams resting players and certain stars not playing in certain games, which is a, you know, it's a big fiasco. It's if you're spending $150 for a ticket to go watch a game and, you know, and you're playing Cleveland and LeBron is sitting over there, you know, in a suit, uh, it's frustrating. Right. Any player, you know, that has self-respect, you want to play against the other team's best, regardless of whether you feel like you're going to win or not. You know, you, if, if the other team's throwing, you know, their B team at you, <laughs> That's it. Slap in the face. It's terrible. Who wants to play that? No one wants to play that. Well, it is. And, and it's kind of a, a product of allowing so many teams into the playoffs and you put the emphasis on the teams. And again, this is in every sport now, every professional sport yeah. is you're allowing so many teams into your playoffs 
And like we talked about in other podcasts, even NASCAR now has playoffs. Right. So it's all about creating interest at the end of the season. And creating revenue. interest, well, revenue, but creating interest so fans follow their teams. And again, you know, we've had this conversation, you know, how millennials and, and how it needs to be, you know, there, there isn't that, that same fandom. You right. know, there isn't that same loyalty. And, and there's a lot of reasons, and you can listen to a lot of podcasts and you can listen to, you know, people on ESPN and they all talk about the same thing, is it's just changing. It's, and being, yeah. a, being a dinosaur, you know, it's it's like, okay, well, it's not the way it should be. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, you know, as multiple times that have happened recently at my job, you know, working in the food service, just having people come in that are wearing sports memorabilia, different things. And, you know, especially being from Oregon, I ask everyone that comes through with Oregon gear if they're from Oregon. And, you know, I it's gotten to like 75% of people are not from Oregon or, or not from you know, the place that they have their gear from, it's just, they like the gear or it was, you know, given to them or it's something other than they're a huge fan and, you know, that's where they're from. And well, I, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and we're, you know, we're proof that you don't have to be from somewhere to be a fan of that team. Exactly. And we've talked about that at length, but what, what I'm looking at is, you know, again, for me, it's annoying. Yeah. And, you know, anybody that knows me knows that it, it takes a lot to get me annoyed. Yeah, that's so true. But the thing is, is that it's it, it's changing, and I'm not going to change. But what I'm realizing is that it's just it's acceptance. It doesn't matter. You know, today's sports dynamic is different than when I was young, yeah. and what they're you know the dollar they're going after, right? And trying to get people's attention. You know, when I was young, you know, I didn't have a phone that could tell me to the split second. Everything that's going on. Yeah. Every stat I, line. I, every... I, I put it, I downloaded an app, Max Prep. So I get real time updates on the Newport High School football game. Wow. Yeah. That's the level of access you have now. Jeez. And I get, you know, from Corona where Zach went. Yeah. And what a mess that is. Oh, wow. But more on that later. Yeah. The thing is, is it's, it's different. It's not the way it was when I was young. It's not the, what I grew up with. No. So I don't, as much as it pains me to say, I can't judge today. As much as I would love to, as much as I would like to rail on, on the fans of today, yeah. I can't because it's a different world. Yeah, things change and it changes perspectives. Exactly. Thank God I was so thirsty. Notice how I added that one in actually in the sentence and not just throwing that one out there just to drink. No, it was impressive. It was good. It's impressive. Thank you. Well, that's why you're the professional. Yeah. But with that, you know, with, with the changing climate yeah. and with, you know, the changing landscape of, of sports and with the, the instant, you know, you can sit there and, and, you know, watch one game on TV. You can watch another one on your pad and you can watch another one on your phone and you're constantly getting, alerts uh, of of what's going on right i know that there's it, possibly it, some people that are into fantasy they might have fantasy going on oh god yeah yeah there's always that that's and, another option another way to watch it right and i remember a couple years ago and i got really frustrated that night because we had recorded a, a duck basketball game and we were watching it yeah and we were only a little bit behind the game yeah. you know so we're watching and it's really close 
and there's like two minutes to go. And all of a sudden you just kind of sat back and then you looked at me and went, you know what? I've got to go. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And then I looked over and your phone is sitting there with an alert that just told you the final score. Yeah. The Ducks had lost. Yeah. And so our enjoyment of it was over. It was lost. Yep. It was done. And you couldn't help but look at it. I, th- I think it was, yeah. You know, your phone blows up and you're like, is that important? Is it not? Oh, shit. I just, oh, it has nothing to do with importance. And don't try night. to float that. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't somebody <laughs> trying to get a hold of you for a blood transfusion. Well, that's possible. To save their life. My, it, my store could have been burning down. You at the time. could not pull your eyes away from it. Yeah. When it makes that little sound, you know, we're all Pavlov's dogs at that point. You know, right. we're all, it draws us, it draws our eyes to it. But that was an awakening to me. As much as I wanted to be angry, I totally understood. I'm yeah. like, you know, although I'm, I'm still going to be angry and I'm going to be pissed that you left and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because that's just who I am. But, you know, in, in retrospect and thinking about it, you know, what are you going to do? It's the world we live in. Exactly. So you can either turn off your push notifications or you can turn your phone off if we're watching something on a delay. You can prepare yourself for yeah. it or, you know, or you have can to deal with the consequences. Or, or you can just allow your life to be ran by Verizon and whoever else is <laughs> sending you these things. But it's fun. You know, I mean, it, it really is. I really enjoy having access to that. I agree. You know, the, there's so one a, team that we have not touched on. Oh, and we're trying not to because we're still talking about the Blazers. <laughs> Because I think the Blazers will have a solid year. And yeah. I think that, that they will get their stuff together. And we actually are recording right now, so I don't want to see any alerts. Yeah, I don't want I you know, see you looking good. at your we're phone. The, the, the Blazers are playing the Suns tonight. And we beat them down here by, I think, 700 yeah. to 6. Roughly. And, and so it should be a fun game, and we'll watch it. I know you got to go to work early in the morning, yeah, so yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, you know, we'll fast forward through it. But basketball is fun. Yes, I think I think that with the, with when it comes to the Blazers, um, our bench is far superior than it has been in years, and I think that that's something that can be said and not said for most teams in the NBA. Players like Ed Davis, Evan Turner, Caleb you know, Schwanigan. Well, I think that those you know Ed Davis and, and and Turner have been players that have been on you know starting team you know starting for the lakers starting for boston celtics you know coming off of our bench yeah um you know and i think that's huge i think that's something that can be said for any competitive team they have starters that were coming off their bench you know uh, golden state has andre iguodala you know you can look at the spurs you know ginobili's coming off their bench and Mm -hmm. actually he's you know he has been a starter but anyway well having a bench you know having yeah having some depth but then you have your rookies you know and you have the depth there as well and bringing in more talent that's young and Swanigan who's giving us solid minutes that I've seen veterans in the past right I believe that was uh, played for the Portland yeah four or five years ago or so and was on the bench and he was a veteran coming in I mean, I would much rather have Swanigan than him. Oh yeah, no, I think that I think that he's really a good player, and I think that he will contribute this year and continue to contribute. And the thing about it was, Wright was one of the best players off of our bench that year. That's what I'm. Yeah. That's why I'm bringing up him. Well, that's back in the day when we had no bench. Exactly, and I think that that's something that I'm seeing different oh, now, yeah. as opposed to even when we were making significant runs in the playoffs with LaMarcus and Wes Matthews and Batum 
the team, you know, we've watched and, and, and loved for years, but you know, um, for the few years they were together. Right. Um, well, and those teams had no bench. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, again, you can go back to the greatest year the Blazers ever had where you had some new starters coming in, yeah. you know? So you had Bobby Gross and you had Lionel Hollins, you know, and you, you had Walton and you had Maurice Lucas and off the bench, you had Lloyd Neal and you had Larry Steele who had been starters since they came to the Blazers. So, so they were they were Blazer starters that went to the bench because other players came in and took right exactly okay and then you throw in Johnny Davis who was a rookie yeah that year and now all of a sudden you've got a solid bench behind solid starters yeah it's that's just the recipe that's what you've got to have you know you don't want to play your players you know forty three minutes a game I think that's what I mean yes agreed and that's what was the downfall to the Blazers in the past was we were playing Lillard and LaMarcus, you know, 43 minutes, 45 minutes a game. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's now having that bench, you don't have to do that. And having the talent that we have, I think that that's really what's going to separate those, those great teams and those. And, right. You and, have to win the games you should win, which, you know, I mean, really, honestly, you can win 102 games a season, still, you know, lose to the Yankees in the playoffs. Exactly, because that's, that's what we've created. We've created the playoffs now. So yeah. it, it virtually doesn't matter what you did in the regular season because now you have to deal with playoffs. And there's a whole conversation about that. 77-78 Blazers, by the way, anybody that didn't know what I was referring to with oh, yeah, the exactly. Walton. That Walton was the only gross. championship that the Blazers ever won. Now, you alluded to the team that we haven't talked about yet. And yes, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. And they are 0-7. What was our record last year? Two and something? Two and 14. Two and 14. And that was an ugly two and 14. This 0 and 7, we, I think we've lost five games. By less than two points or something like that? Three points? Yeah. No, yeah. We've, we've lost a couple games in overtime. We've been in games. I like where we're going, what we're doing. I plan on going in the morning uh, to watch. I haven't watched the 49ers the last couple weeks. Who's playing tomorrow? We're playing Philadelphia. Okay. Which is one of the better teams by yeah. their record. Wentz is playing really Carson well. Carson Wentz, their quarterback. C.J. Beathard is is now playing for the 49ers. I couldn't watch Hoyer anymore. Right. It was just the worst. It's, I think he's happy he's on the bench right now. I think that's... Well, he's just not very good. That's what I'm saying. And, I think, yeah. <laughs> the, the spotlight's off him. He's sitting back and taking his paycheck. Now. Right. Yeah. So you get the millions of dollars without having to actually... Embarrass yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You got to love... <laughs> Gotta love pro sports. Yeah, I always felt like the the greatest the greatest job in the world was the backup quarterback. Right. You know, because you're getting millions of dollars for not doing anything. Go to a few meetings. Right. You know, and you hand Go the to ball. A couple of practices. Yeah, you toss yeah. the ball to the starter in practice so he can get his reps. And yeah. Well, anyway. So the 49ers, again, they they brought in a new coach. They brought in a new GM, as we've talked about before. The year hasn't gone the way that they would like, but then again. If we end up with a top two or three draft pick or the number one overall pick, if we don't win a game, right, we're gonna we're neck and neck with Cleveland, and they're just a horrible team. I don't feel that we're a horrible team. Yeah, but we get another solid draft, and you know, either Bethard steps up and becomes a quarterback that can win a game, or we, you know, get Cousins or or however we end up with a quarterback. Right. Uh, I think there's enough players on this team that it wouldn't take long to be a playoff team and to be, you know, kind of a, 
outside contender. You know, we're not going to be one of the favorites, but we could be there. I think if we get a number one pick, we draft a, let's say Bethard ends up, you know, working out. We draft a dominant wide receiver. We could be right there. I think our defense is great. We got a good running game. Yeah. Again. Well, there's some, there's some places. I think we could use some help on the offensive line. Yeah. I think we could use some help in the secondary. But again, it's it's so bizarre in the NFL where you have a, a player or a position group that seems to be underachieving and not doing well, and you kind of just mix it up with one additional player or a different scheme or something, and all of a sudden these guys are, are great. Yeah, they're clicking. It's ready and, to go. Because everybody that makes it to the NFL can play. Exactly. It's it's whether I mean, you have chemistry. I mean, that's the same thing with any professional sport. You know, any player that come in, and they're going to play. Now, some have more skill than others for sure. But are, as a coach or as an owner, are you able to put players together that have chemistry and that can, you know, work together to make a win? Exactly. And, it, you know, it's and they keep talking about the fact that it's a business. So it's different. It's not the rah, rah. Yeah. You know, it's a business. You know, it's you, you want to think that you get along with your teammates. You know, you want to think that, you know, you believe in the city that you're playing for, you know, because the every pro sports want their their players to go into the community. They want the community to buy into the team. Right. But it's it's becoming more and more difficult because players are moving around so much. Yeah, it's so easy for the players to move or just new players to come in all the time that it just doesn't make sense to So it yeah, it's hard to have your roots then. Well, I think it's hard for the community. Yeah. You know, you look at the teams and you want to root for somebody and you want longevity, but it's so rare. And you know, the the business itself, you know, the the franchise is going to bring in whatever players it feels necessary. And and I don't necessarily believe, and I'm necessarily saying necessary too much, but not necessarily. Good point. But I really believe that that not every franchise is out to win. I think that there yeah. are franchises that want to make money. Right. Yeah. And so they're weighing what they're spending with what their return is, and they want to be competitive enough. But I don't think their goal every year, they'll state their goal is to win a championship, but I really don't believe that. Hmm. I think for years, the Bidwells were happy with playing at ASU and you know having a reasonable crowd and making money. I think that you know, there's very few franchises that turn around and dump the majority of the money they make back into their team. George Steinbrenner always did that. You know, it was it was never about taking money out of the Yankees to to live a certain lifestyle. But I think that there are some teams that just, you know, kind of go along. And then there are others that it's it's all about winning and it doesn't matter. You know, that's that's all I want to do. So, you know, but it being on the outside and watching you know, it's hard to think that that how can Detroit really be trying to win a championship with the way they run their franchise, the Lions? Yeah. Cleveland. Is it just they're making bad choices and it's not working out? Or are they just making choices to go along? Because these franchises now, you look at back 10 years ago and an NFL franchise or an NBA franchise is worth a couple hundred million, 300 million. You know, now the worst franchises are worth $1.2 billion. Yeah, it's, that's huge. I mean, the amount of money that is going around when it comes to the franchises, it sucks that that is 
playing into it. You want every owner to be a huge sports fan and to be the guy that's rooting for his team and that wants it, you know, to be number one all the time. You know, the Mark Cubans, honestly, I think that he is one of those owners that is going to try to win yeah. every single year. Well, and I think Paul Allen. Yeah, definitely Paul Allen. Is another sure. one. I, I think that uh, there are guys out there that don't need the money. But you, you want it to be that way. You know, you want yeah. it to be. I mean, sports, it's, it's anyone who loves sports or grew up playing, watching you know, you, you have your teams or you have pride in um, just wanting to win, wanting, you you know, I guess your team to be successful. And yeah. so well, it's it, sad when you, you don't have that kind of congruency with, with your team. Or with what well, team exactly. You and, and to kind of wrap this up tonight, I want to make the point that, as I said earlier, sports fandom is changing. Yeah. And people are changing in the way that they look at sports and fantasy has become really important to a lot of people and they'd rather root for their fantasy team than an actual team. And you know, the, the instant gratification of, okay, well who's winning? Cause I love looking around, you know, something I saw yesterday for the first time in a long time, a Dodger hat, Oh man, somebody sporting a Dodger hat walking down the street last year was a Cubs hats. Yeah. You know, and Cubs has an, have an incredibly loyal fan base in Chicago. And there's a lot of, of people from Chicago or from the Midwest that live that are here in, in, the the, valley. In, in the Valley. But still, you just didn't see a lot of Cubs hats. But last year, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting you know, a Cub shirt and those types of things. So that is changing. You know, the way people are looking at sports, the way people are dealing with it. So you kind of figure that the owners have to be the same way. Yeah. You know, people want to get into sports because it's cool to be in sports and it's a great investment at this point. It used to be a lost leader. You know, it used to be in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you didn't go into athletics as far as owning a team because you wanted to, to double your investment. You did it because you love sports or yeah. you loved a particular team or you wanted to be involved in that. Right. But that's changed. I think that a lot of people that are getting into it because of the return on the money. Right, exactly. I agree. Well, okay, so that's kind of uh, our uh, our take at this point on on where we are with our sports teams. Still exciting, you yes. Know, fun day to watch the Ducks. More to come. We get to uh, we get to watch the Blazers when we're done here for a few minutes. Uh, Monday night is University of Oregon basketball team. Yeah. In one of their preseason games, it's exciting. And we are doing the league pass again this year to to watch the Blazers. Make sure to stay up on them. Have a chance to watch all their games. So it's fun. So, Adam, hey, thanks again tonight. Thanks, Dad. Solid. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, there's more perspectives later. Who are the good ones, the good ones of today? Point them out to me so I can come and join their raid. We'll walk around this land with open hands looking for change. We'll want to understand this progression we have at hand. Humanity is killing wheat, for this we will not stand. I say let's progress in good contest. Make conference, then love our best. Our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high. Crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines. Our love that makes no sense. We who spend love at no expense. We are a force of passion. Creating a new faction. Taking action, working hard just for the satisfactions. With the abilities to shine so bright that others want to fight. Because our light is in the